Hello and welcome to the Red Mountain Community Church podcast, where you can hear conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church as we try to pursue Jesus together. Each episode highlights what God is doing in someone's life or a specific theme in light of what God has revealed in the Bible. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Bob Fox, our associate pastor and an elder emeritus. Uh, for those new to Red Mountain, Bob was also the founding pastor of Red Mountain Community Church. So what does it mean? Are you guys any closer to kind of zeroing in on what it means to be an elder emeritus and what that role uh, does involve or will involve? I know that that's that, that's still kind of in process because there's only been a two or three of you now that have kind of moved into that and more coming soon. So what are the thoughts these days on, on that role? We haven't talked much about it, and that's probably healthy. I think the thing you want to avoid is is spreading decision-making out uh, to to people that aren't really involved in the day-to-day, mm. and they don't have the information, the data. Yeah. So so we're pretty sure it will never be a decision-making role. Yeah. The ministry role, what we're finding is that each man's uh, function takes a little different direction. Okay. And um, so uh, I think that's where we're at. But mm-hmm. we, it is something that will evolve. But yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll evolve away from an organizational and a group that meets and does things as a group. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it will probably not go that direction. Well, I, I really like that you guys are at least thinking in terms of you know, how um, can we uh, still, I'm, I'm looking for a less predatory word, but take advantage of, extract value from, you know, <laughs> when I think about, you know, these elders that have been on the board for so long and are stepping down, you know, uh, in, in one sense, of course, you realize, well, there is a time to, to move on and for, you know, different uh, people to come into those, different men to come into those roles. But at the same time, you're like, ah. Oh, but what they've brought. And so I love how, for example, you, I mean, this isn't your function as an elder, but in in the kind of stepping down from your role as the senior pastor, you have uh, remained on staff in a role that, as I understand it, at least in part, is about uh, providing, men- being a mentor to other pastors and helping them to kind of uh, develop in their role. And so I love that um, that maybe something like that is at least an option for some of the younger blood elders to be able to go and talk to some of the guys that are seasoned and and you know have uh, have been through the battles and have the scars to prove it and can you know offer hopefully some some wisdom you know yeah I think the thing I'm enjoying most is not so much uh, other pastors just but just people that uh, want to learn not some shortcuts <laughs> in sanctification but i guess enduring the long cuts mm. uh and just be able to you know some all of us need somebody that'll assure us that we're not crazy mm. <laughs> uh, this is hard this is difficult it's challenging and no you haven't lost your mind yeah. we all need to hear that mm. and uh i enjoy that part of it as much as anything just uh encouraging and and giving people uh, information about how long some of these things take. Mm. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. We do have an irresistible question for this episode, and uh, this time it is, besides the Bible, what is one of the most important books you've ever read? My my immediate answer is uh, Spiritual Leadership, by J. Oswald Sanders. Okay. It was written years ago, and it's timeless. Hmm. Um, it just was written in such a way, and I think, I think the Lord directed him in such a way that no matter what's happening culturally, it still works. Hmm. And it just gives you a ton of information, information on the art of spiritual leadership, whether you're a husband, a father, or a church leader. Hmm. It's just uh, absolutely choice, and it's an easy read, oh, believe it or not. Cool. It's short chapters, and uh, it's an easy read and very, very, very challenging. Mm. What's, the, what's the title and author again? Spiritual Leadership, J. Oswald Sanders. Okay. 
Cool. And uh, there's different editions of it out. It's still in print, but um, it's been updated some and and messed with some. But okay. it's still a, a great great read. Nice. For me, it's a book uh, that actually was introduced to me by the the worship pastor before me, uh, Mickey Bryce, that I uh, served under before taking that role. And uh, it's called The Heart of the Artist by Rory Noland. And he had ordered a bunch of copies of this uh, with the intent of, of taking people in the music and worship ministry through it which then I ended up uh, following through after he uh, stepped down and um, but first read it myself and it was reading it myself that made me want to take our worship ministry volunteers through that material because it in a very biblical fashion I don't know if I've ever read a book that had more scripture references peppered throughout you know it was it was I it struck me as very humble too it's because the guy was like you know I'm not some theology professor whatever I'm taking this all from scripture here you can look it up yourself and there's so much that I'd never considered before that scripture has to say about the person who is wired creatively you know which comes most very often with a with a particular temperament with emotional sensitivities with just different ways of thinking about things and feeling about things and and uh, King David of course is this phenomenal example right in front of us that we typically don't think about of like the premier artist of the Bible. And you can look at his life. You can look at his diary in so many of the Psalms essentially and, uh, and really glean a lot that's valuable to the creative type. And it, and it continues to, it has continued over the years, I should say to, uh, to be something I've gone back to and, and in my ministry now to geeks, there's a lot of overlap in, in temperament between, you know, artists and people that are just into really weird creative stuff there's a lot of overlap in those personality types and it just has been such an insightful uh book for me um so again it's a very good read for anyone that works with people mm. too i think because they just uh they have to be able to identify and respect why different people think different ways and it's just really that's a good book yeah yeah, I mean, there's lots of practical stuff in there. I mean, that's that's a that I, I, there's lessons I've taken from how to both give and receive criticism in ways that are most likely for you to benefit from as you're receiving it, and then how you can most effectively offer criticism in a way that's that makes it that couches it in a way that's most likely to be received well. Because we don't want to just be uh, uh, be heard; we want to be considered when we give yeah. those kinds of words. And so yeah. it's, yeah, man, there's so much there. Anyway, yeah, that's The Heart of the Artist by Rory Noland. Um, mm. Yeah, as a reminder, you can message us on Instagram or Facebook with suggestions for fun things that we could do or talk about before the interview. So if that was a whole bunch of boring stuff, in your opinion, it's all your fault. You should send us your suggestions about what you want us to talk about. But for now, we are going to move things along. Earlier, uh, Bob and I spent some time talking with Kevin Norton about his work uh, insuring churches, about being an elder. There's just some great facets of that conversation, specifically about how the elders lead at Red Mountain Community Church that I've wanted to get into on the podcast for a long time. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a lot uh, of interest and of benefit to you guys as you listen. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's that conversation now. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. I know you as kind of, I guess, um, my my like uncle-in-law once removed or something. My you're my sister Corinne's father-in-law. That's correct, and that's like how I've known you over the years. But we're gonna dig in, into some stuff that like you and I really haven't had much reason to talk about or for me to hear about over the years. And so I'm looking forward to getting into this. So thanks for doing this. Well, I've known you and your family for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've known me since like I, you were not on my radar and I was like just a little kid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So start then if you would, by giving us a snapshot of kind of who you are and specifically how you came to faith in Jesus how long you've been coming to Red Mountain, and uh, what you do for a living. Sure, sure. Um, my name's Kevin Norton. 
and uh, I've uh, um, was born and raised in uh, northern Illinois, uh, right between smack dab between Chicago and Milwaukee. Okay. And uh, right on Lake Michigan, and uh, I was raised uh, in a, a Catholic family. Okay. And so my parents uh, sent me to a Catholic uh, grade school. I went is the is the stereotype about like the the hardcore nuns and stuff and the slapping wrists with rulers? Is that is that real or is that just a thing in the movies? That is real. Wow. That is real. Yeah. Oh my they, gosh. You know, there, it was a very disciplined, structured environment. Did you ever get the slap with the ruler? I did not. Wow. Did Are you not. lying right now? Because that's a sin. <laughs> I, I did get that in public school. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's wow. my roots. That's a different time. Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt. That's, so, no, that's so, so Catholic school, like throughout elementary and beyond and high that? School, and so, high school. Okay. Yeah. And high school. So, you know, for, for me, I, as I look back on it, it was, uh, it was a very good education. Mm. Um, we also had, you know, the catechism classes. And so I got a good uh, basic um, knowledge of uh, scripture, okay. of, the, of mainly, you know, the gospels and so forth. Yeah. So I knew about God and I knew about Jesus and I knew about, they called, in Catholic church, they call the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Okay, yeah. But uh, got a good knowledge of the Trinity and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, so from that aspect, it was a good education, and it helped me in the future when I was able to connect the dots okay. into from that knowledge into a relationship, mm. you know, with Jesus Christ. Mm. So I, you know, went through Catholic uh, uh, school, and then I was uh, um, started dating my uh, future wife Trudy. Okay, and. Uh, um, she started sharing, um, you know, scripture with me and uh, asking me, you know, various questions about my faith and so forth. And uh, I told her I was fine. You know, I, 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 I believed in God. I believed in Jesus and so forth. Mm-hmm. And but she said, are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was uh, something that we discussed and processed, uh, you know, over um, the months that we started dating and mm-hmm. so forth. And uh, um what finally um, turned the light on for me um, was when she shared uh, um, Ephesians uh, 2.8 with me, which is for by, it is by grace that you have been saved mm-hmm. um, through faith, you know, not of your works. Because, you know, as you know, as a, when you're growing up a Catholic, works um, is a big thing, yeah. you know, and you're trying to earn your way um, to heaven. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, and you never know, you never knew, have I done enough, mm. you know, to earn my way into heaven yeah. or have I fallen short? Mm-hmm. And so this new concept was uh, uh, given to me through scriptures that, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Mm. It's a relationship with Christ and it's through faith, yeah. you know, by God's grace, mm. you know, that I accepted that yeah. and became a Christian. And mm. then we continued to date. We got engaged, got married, and uh, way back in 1979. Okay. Back in the 70s. All right. <laughs> so um, we, uh, um, then we moved out to Arizona in uh, 1984. Okay. So that's uh, coming on like 38 years now that we've been in Arizona. Oh, wow, yeah. We were just kids. Hmm. <laughs> you know, Trudy and myself and Jonathan. Um, your brother-in-law. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was a one-year-old at the time. And wow. we just packed up and moved out to Arizona. And uh, um, without a job, you know, I came out mm. here to uh, um, start an insurance agency. Mm. And uh, we uh, found one to per- to buy. Okay. You know, a small agency back that was in Mesa and University okay. Drive back in 1984. And that's how we got into uh, what I do now, mm-hmm. which is I sell protection and peace of mind <laughs> and a good night's rest. <laughs> wow, I didn't know you could buy those things. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> don't, don't you have a good night's rest knowing that you're uh, properly insured? I take melatonin <laughs> and sometimes a little Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I do for a living. Okay, nice. I, I uh, have an insurance agency. Trudy and I have an insurance agency, and uh, 
probably uh, provide insurance. Okay. And when did you, uh, how long have you been coming to Red Mountain? When did that start? We started coming to Red Mountain in uh, 1997. Okay. In the, the summer of 97. And what little context, Bob, can you remember the year that uh, Red Mountain started? Yeah, Red Mountain started in 1990. Okay. So when they came, we'd uh, moved into our first building. Okay. And... Uh, and so we'd we'd been around about seven seven years okay. eight years. And when did, um when what was the first year in the Italian restaurant? Um, that was nineteen ninety. It was oh yeah. okay okay. Yeah. And we stayed at the restaurant till ninety five. Yes okay that sounds and then right. We moved here. And yeah. so then so you you started in ninety seven. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. All right. And I I knew Bob when they first moved out to Arizona. Um, we were going to a church in Gilbert. Okay. Uh, with uh, the bronze. Oh okay. And. Uh, so when Bob moved out, you know, we uh, had met him and uh, got to know them and their family. And, you know, we were aware that he was starting a church, but we were, you know, still um, comfortable at the Desert View Baptist Church in uh, Gilbert. Yeah. And then in 97, some, you know, there was a change. We had left that church and we were looking for another church to go to. And, you know, we said, let's try Red Mountain Community Church. Our boys were both at the age of uh, um, being involved in the youth group. Okay. I think one was in junior high or just getting done with junior high, and the other one was just starting junior high. And so we wanted to get them. We felt it important to get involved in a church with a, a vibrant uh, youth group. Yeah. So we uh, started attending Red Mountain. Yeah. That was a major reason that my parents brought us to Red Mountain was because of the, the focus on on, the, on youth. So. Um, you know, when I moved here, Kevin came and helped me move my stuff in the house. Oh, really? I'd met him before, him and Trudy and his, and Art, his brother-in-law. Yes. Uh, but they both showed up to help me carry boxes. Okay. And in a place where I knew only one other family, that was pretty wow, pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. And I think over the years, of all the times I've helped people move, it's always been about 110 <laughs> degrees outside yep. yes yeah <laughs> yeah that just goes with the territory yeah yeah oh, really yeah. um so the first insurance agency that you bought and kind of got going um was that already because insuring churches because now you're insuring churches yes so yeah. it started out in no that? it oh. wasn't i was just uh, doing regular uh, auto home okay you know, type insurance so then what what got you into insuring churches and why did you want to do that instead of the more typical types of insurance? Well, Trudy's father um, had an insurance agency back in Illinois. Okay. And he was the one that got me into the insurance business in the first place. Okay. Uh, back up in Illinois. And then we came out to Arizona to start our own agency. And uh, he, so he had, was familiar with insuring churches. And the company that uh, we represent, which is Brotherhood Mutual Insurance, they started insuring churches out in Arizona in the mid to late 80s. And we got hooked up with them in Arizona okay. in 1989. And so at that time is when we started, you know, marketing and uh, taking care of insurance for churches, mm -hmm. which I had never been a part of. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm thinking, why do churches need insurance? Well, I soon quickly found out that, okay. you know, the same things that happen out in the real world can happen with churches. Yeah. Churches are not immune to accidents. Churches are not immune to uh, fires. I thought you were going to say, when you said accidents, that you say churches are not immune to acts of God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it. Exactly. That was a good thought. <laughs> that's right. That churches aren't immune to, to uh, lawsuits. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, people, once in a while, people can get sideways in a church. And, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> once in a while, yeah. It can go, go different directions. And sometimes, you know, insurance gets involved in those types of issues, too. Yeah. yeah so church, church and insurance of churches has changed dramatically since you were, since you got in the business. That's, I mean, not to say you were the cause, but. <laughs> Well, I'll say yeah, you were the cause. Kevin. It's a different world. <laughs> well, when we, you know, uh, my father-in-law used to say when he first started insuring churches, you know, churches didn't even lock their doors. Mm. You know, churches were always open for people to go in and pray or, yeah. you know, do whatever. And, uh, you know, back when we first started insuring churches, there was no such coverage mm. as sexual misconduct liability. Mm. 
you know, directors and officers liability, religious freedom liability, mm. security operations. So the church landscape has changed wow, yeah. over the years. Yeah. Are those, um, would you say, the day-to-day types of main things that you're dealing with or just things that have been added? Like, What, what would be like the day-to-day main issues that come up relevant to ensuring churches uh, each day or week? Well, many times uh, churches will call us because they, they, they're thinking of doing this new type of ministry. You know, we want to go out to the community and help, uh, you know, repair houses. Okay. Or we want to go do this. Or the youth group is thinking of jumping off of this. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so they ask those types of questions and then we're there to provide uh, uh, guidance okay. and uh risk you know sound risk management yeah so we'll tell them well before you do this you know you need to think about these things or we would recommend you don't jump off of this you know things <laughs> like that <laughs> oh my gosh. what would be to your memory maybe one or two of the the weirdest or funniest claims that that you remember in your work well we've had hundreds if not thousands of claims over the years and you know and you get a lot of the the run-of-the-mill claims you know you get a monsoon storm that goes through and uh, takes off some shingles or there's water damage you know those types of things or we had a, th- a break-in at a church and they stole mm. sound equipment you know those types of things or we had a uh, somebody in the nursery fall and hit their head mm. and there's an accident so those are the normal run-of-the-mill but you do get some of those those uh, wacky ones from time to time. We had one once where we had a, uh, we insured a camp and the, the campers were gone. And so it was just the staff and the, the summer counselors were there and they were going to have a birthday celebration for one of the counselors. And so one of the, uh, uh, they had a big birthday cake for them. And uh, one of the uh, people at the camp suggested that we put a little uh, smoke bomb on top of the birthday mm. oh, cake, great. you know, Oops. so when we light the candles, it would uh, uh, be a nice pyrotechnic display. <laughs> okay. Well, the the smoke bomb that he thought that they were putting on the cake was called a jumbo red star. It was actually a firecracker. Oh my gosh! And so they, you know, they lit the uh, candle, they lit the fire, uh, fire the jumbo red star, and they started singing, and then the uh, firecracker exploded. Oh. The plastic plate that the cake was sitting on disintegrated and shrapnel went everywhere. Oh my gosh. And 21 people got shrapnel in their face. Oh my. Little pieces of plastic in gosh. their face. And uh, one person had to be transported by uh, ambulance, you know, to the. Uh, to the hospital. Oh my so gosh. That's something that's weird that's happened. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, so you are also, I, I don't think we've mentioned this yet in this conversation, but um, you're, you're also an elder uh, here at Red Mountain. Um, tell me how you became an elder at Red Mountain Community Church, and you're also the chairman of the elder board. So tell me kind of how both of those. Uh, how you came into both of those positions. Sure, sure. Well, I had been involved in a, a church back in Illinois and uh, a church, you know, in Gilbert when uh, we first moved here. And I had uh, always uh, served the church. You know, I had a, a gift of uh, administration. So I helped out, you know, being the church treasurer or doing different aspects of uh, church work and had sat on various committees and boards over the years. And then, but th- those churches didn't have uh, an elder board. And I came to a Red Mountain Community Church and uh, they had an elder board. So I was familiar with that type of uh, uh, church leadership structure, mm-hmm. um, which is very scriptural. You know, how uh, the New Testament church should be uh, led mm-hmm. by a, a, a plurality of uh, elders, mm-hmm. uh, male elders. Yeah. And uh, so um, after I had been to the church for about four years, um, Bob, Pastor Bob, had uh, asked me if I felt uh, a calling or if I felt uh, led to be an elder in the church. And uh, after discussion and prayer and so forth, I told him, yes, I did uh, feel that I was being led to do that. Mm. And so we went through the process, you know, and so forth and uh, uh, checked my background, you know. <laughs> no, not, not really. But, uh, you know, filled out a questionnaire, you know, um, you know, what my... Um, beliefs were my theology and so forth and my philosophy and so forth and uh, um, became a, a, 
um, a member of the elder board in early 2001, I okay. believe. It's the years start to get fuzzy, but it was sometime around then okay. that I became an elder. So I've been serving for um, over 20 years now wow. on the elder board. And it's, it's been a privilege to uh, uh, serve um, and lead, mm. you know, um, Red Mountain Community Church over those years. After I was an elder for a number of years, they, you know, elders would uh, go off the board, retire and so forth, and positions would change. They asked me if I would uh, become the uh, chairman of the board, okay. you know, which is basically just a person that runs the meetings, you know, will run the members' meetings and things like that. And so I, I accepted that position, and I've been doing that probably for a little more, for more than uh, 10 years now. Okay. So, so what does... What is that? What do those roles involve? I mean, I know you guys have the meetings, um, so you could maybe say a little bit about what goes on at those meetings, and then any other kind of things that are relevant to being both an elder and a and a chairman of the elder board. Well, when you when you uh, hear the word, uh, say the word elder, um, you know, in scripture they will call it, you know, like an overseer. Uh, it's basically um, a group of men that oversee the uh, the vision. Um, the spiritual direction of the church. So the elders would tip, will typically uh, set the uh, direction of the church, um, set the vision for the church. You know, like, our, like Red Mountain Community Church, where, you know, has always been a church that's very serious about Scripture. Mm. We've been a church that's been very serious about teaching Scripture, mm-hmm. discipling, and uh, uh, not only adults, but from, you know, as we would say, from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. So even with the youngest of, uh, of uh, people at our church, you know, in the grade school and so forth, we have a curriculum um, that basically helps them understand uh, scripture and apply it to their lives. And so hopefully as they grow, you know, they continue to get that uh, uh, dose of scripture and, and everything that we uh, teach. Yeah. So, you know, scripture is very important. So the elders make sure that that is always being done, not only for the young ones, but even for the adults and the the youth group, the adults and so forth. You know, scripture is being taught. Yeah. You know, Red Mountain is a a church that is basically uh, teaches um, scripture. um, What's the word? An expository type of preaching Mm -hmm. where we will just open a book of the Bible and we will just go through the, you know, the book of the Bible, yeah. chapter, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and just, you know, go through it and teach that, as opposed to having, you know, certain topics that uh, might be the topic of the day or the flavor of the day. We will stick to uh, the expository style of teaching and preaching. Okay. And so the elders make sure that is being done at all times, too. Okay. But, you know, as, as an overseer, too, you're, you're not only a leader, but you're a servant. Um, so we consider ourselves servant leaders. So we're, you know, we're basically serving the church. Um, we're not just sitting in our, um, our uh, meeting room, you know, um, handing out directives, you know, <laughs> things like that. We're basically getting our hands dirty like the rest of the people in the church and pitching in and helping, yeah. you know, do whatever needs to be done yeah. to, to help the church yeah. move forward. Yeah. So, and just, just what we talked about with insurance, uh, and the way that's changed the church, there are a ton of uh, things involved in what we could call the business aspect of the church. We still view that as the ministry of the church mm-hmm. to exist in the community and to to actually be a legitimate uh, and safe organization. Yeah, um, Kevin has has uh, helped in that during that transition when mm. that got much more complex than it mm. ever had been. Yeah, and that that's an important legacy that he he has helped uh, bring about at red mountain yeah i i wonder it's not often in fact i'm not even sure that we've had both uh an elder on the podcast and bob at the same time and so i want to take the uh advantage of this opportunity and just kind of open up a question to both of you guys about like you know you you kind of make that comparison bob a little bit in some sense which is appropriate to like uh a business and there are there's some overlap in in you know the 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 functioning and the running of those two things but clearly we're talking about a very different 
entity in the elder board compared to you know a board on a corporation yeah. and so i wonder if you guys uh whoever wants to comment on this uh would would comment on um how decisions are made that would be different from you know a, a, a board of directors of a company coming together and everybody kind of having their own ideas how how do you guys go about figuring out what the spirit is uh uh, is leading Red Mountain in? Maybe, maybe the the way I can explain that is that uh, we believe in the organism, and it's the organism that creates the good organization hmm. and the organization that the Lord's interested. It is an organization. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are slots that people serve in that you have to have. There's a legal entity, so there's slots you have to have. But the key is to do that in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So your question, how do you do that, is everything. Because if you don't do that, um, all you have is an organization. Yeah. So your question is really really spot on because, because uh, that's what's important. So back to the, the uh, servant leader idea, we believe that the Holy Spirit can lead in us only as we allow him to rule us. Mm. And so one of the most important things in, in an elder is are they committed to the process of dying to themselves? Mm. And so before there's a meeting or or so on, we're, we try to be men who are dying to themselves every day. So we don't come into the meeting seeking to push our agenda so mm. that we we will have strokes and yeah. stripes on our sleeve or what, whatever. We, we really seek to come in and, and our intent on hearing from him. And that's most of the issue when you're talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead. Uh, if we have a posture toward him that's humble and that's open and not self-serving. So I would say... That's the first step in how you do it. Then there's activities you do, but I don't know, Kevin. That's that's my thoughts on it off the top of my head. What do you? What would you say? So w- when you're when you're talking about the, um, you know, we're um, we're basically responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're not coming to the meetings with an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, when we talk about the different things that are going on, you know, when we talk about our campus, you know, and whether we need to build a new building and so forth, you know, none of us come to that meeting saying, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. Mm. We're asking the question, what does the Holy Spirit want us to do, Mm. you know, in this instance, in this circumstance? So we're always doing that. That's that's was an eye opener for me, you know, when I first got on the elder board, Mm. you know, I'm thinking, you know, what would a business do? Yeah. You know, a business would look at this, look at the financials, do that. And we do all that kind of stuff also, Mm -hmm. but we've also got the added aspect of, you know, trying to do what the Holy spirit is leading us to do. Yeah. And so to do that, we need to be open to that leading. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it, it, just because we're open to the leading Holy Spirit doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to give us that that answer or that direction. Um, like in on. that meeting. Uh, yeah, in that meeting. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes a couple meetings. Mm. Sometimes it takes six months, a year, two years, Yeah, you know, to come to that mm. uh, um, agreement that where we think that, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading us in this direction. Mm. So, and, and one of the different things that we do as a board is, you know, we're not taking votes and trying and having a majority rule you know seven elders say yes five elders say no we're looking for that uh, one page Mm -hmm. uh one pageness that spiritual unity among Mm -hmm. the board where we feel like the whole board the board as a whole um unanimous unanimously is moving towards what the holy spirit wants us to do yeah but it doesn't come easy all the time yeah that's got to be really hard because, I mean, when I think about just kind of more casual interactions that I've had with Christians over the years at times, you know, and you guys have experienced this too, where someone will say, um, well, the Lord is leading me, da-da-da-da-da, you know, mm-hmm. 
and you hear what they're saying and maybe the Lord's leading them, but depending on what they say, you might be thinking, uh, did anybody else get that memo? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so I mean, like, uh, it must be so challenging to try and discern the difference between um, what someone is feeling and thinking that maybe they've arrived at that isn't of the Spirit. What would be, like, maybe some of the tip-offs that you guys kind of take as indicators that, you know, I think the Spirit is in this. Is it that primarily that 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 one pageness that you're talking about and and if so how do you guys this is getting into a little bit of a rabbit trail here but how do you guys um ensure that maybe a really respected elder i'm i'm kind of imagining a scenario here i don't know if there is one but like a really respected elder people just tend to kind of defer to them and so without realizing it you know you could end up in a in an organization like this kind of having one or two guys that kind of end up leading the whole thing without maybe meaning to or realizing so what would be make some of the things that help you guard against that and then also what would be those indicators in your mind that would say yeah you know what i i think the spirit is leading in this way either one of you that want to comment on that I think, I think we've adopted a attitude with a language um, that we don't. None of us say the Lord's saying, mm. blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. We we all talk about an impression of the Spirit. I I feel like okay. the Holy Spirit might be saying this. What what do you guys feel? Mm. And uh, we might read a verse. But we open ourselves to what verse is the other person going to read. Yeah. And in the discussion, um, there is a, a point where you you come to unanimity. It doesn't happen necessarily at that meeting, but mm -hmm. on a subject, it does it does happen. Okay. And of course, the normal data comes into play. Uh, you know, what does the Holy Spirit do over time? Does He affirm this? Yeah. Or, or are you dreaming? I mean, you do have to look back and say, okay, <laughs> you know, what's really happening in our world? And I think the way I would describe it, Peter, is we do have a habit of praying with one eye open. Mm. And by that I mean we're, we're praying, asking God to do something, but we're also looking at what he's doing. Mm. And are the two coming up? Are we just praying or pushing for something that he isn't quite with us on? Yeah. So I think I think that habit, what I'm calling praying with one eye open, I think looking at reality and looking at what is actually happening, not do we what do we hope to happen or wish would happen, but what is actually happening. And that's that's an important idea individually and I think for a board. So so that would be my thought. Well there's so much you you asked about there that is so important and uh, it isn't, but in the end you're you're seeking for something that's very mystical. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and as Americans, we're much more comfortable with uh, a formula. Yeah. So it's against our nature, most of us, to just do this. Mm -hmm. But we have learned that it's the only way to lead hmm. in terms there, of. What there have we been lead. many instances where we're, you know, trying to uh, discern the spirits leading on a subject, and uh, we can walk away from a meeting. And we're, I can't even see how we're going to get from one, from where we are at to that decision. Mm. You know, it just, we just, our thoughts are all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing sometimes how after, you know, after a, a few weeks or a month, mm -hmm. you know, after a month of prayer and seeking the Lord, we will reconvene. Mm -hmm. And it seems like all of a sudden everybody seems to be on the same page. Huh. And how did that happen? Yeah. You know, well, it's the Holy Spirit working in each of our lives individually and then coming together as a group or yeah. dave lindstrom campaigning by phone over the four weeks no <laughs> no. no that's really cool to hear about that process and i i really pre you know i think that this probably isn't just a, a pater thing i think a lot of us distrust authority um, we just, I mean, part of, part of that's our flesh and our rebellion and just wanting to go after anybody that wants to, uh, that, that is in a position of any kind of authority over us. But I mean, there's also been plenty of times that authority has, uh, has become corrupt, that has, uh, wounded us and things like that. And so I appreciate hearing about just kind of the humility, the practicality, 
and also the seeking after that that mystery that you're talking about, Bob, in in uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. So thank you both. Yeah, I think uh, I think that as Christians, none of us want to compromise the miracle. Now we do all the time, mm. but we don't want to let go of the miracle to get just the organizational and what and the human thing that we could create. Uh, so I do think it's accurate to say that all of us come from a position of distrust mm. of authority as well. Mm. And all of us are fairly skeptical. Mm. Um, so, but we still believe that, that faith demands and, and all the commands of God demand that we chase this this mysterious thing that the Holy Spirit's promised to do. Hmm. And I don't want to, we don't want to compromise what he wants for anything we might create. Yeah. So uh, we've kind of talked about just some of the the challenges in in leading in that way and, and all, and some of what's involved in that. And, and Kevin, you said, 20 years? Thir- Did you say 30? How many years have you been? 20. 20, no, okay. Over 20 years. Yes. Which is, I mean, that's a long time, and a lot of that being chairman. So um, what has that been like for you to just be staying consistently in that role? Um, and and in some ways, I'm sure there's joy in that, but in other ways, you're really enduring a lot of difficult things, hard decisions um, that where there's it's that that are maybe emotionally charged and very personal depending on what's going on in the church and individuals involved. I mean that's it's a lot of unseen I would imagine heartache and maybe even stresses over the years that keep you guys awake and uh, you know and wrestling with the Lord and praying and wrestling with your own flesh and stuff. So how have you endured that that kind of leadership role for as long as you have? Well, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful that the the Holy Spirit has girded me up, Mm. you know, over the years and been able to endure that because you're right. You know, you've got some months where you you just don't feel like going into the room to for another meeting. Yeah. But the the Lord always, you know, gives you the strength that you need Mm. um, for each meeting, you know, each day and so forth. So it's I've been grateful to the Lord for that. Because when you look back, you know, on 20 plus years of leadership, you know, I think one of the main things that helps in that is, um, you know, are you committed? Are mm. you all in mm. to the church? Mm. You know, if you understand that organism that Bob talked about, the church and what it is and what it's supposed to be doing here on earth as the as the institution that Jesus Christ set up. Here, you know, if we can understand that, and if we, I think there has to be a love for the church too. Mm. Um, if you have a love for the church, then that helps you, you know, each month get through the the tough things that go on. Mm. And I always like to say, you know, every meeting I've been to has been a blessing. Mm. Some have been more of a blessing than others, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, too, you can't underestimate the power of humor, mm. and. Uh, we have a collective sense of humor because sometimes you just need to laugh and sometimes it's laughing at yourself. Mm. But uh, that's so important in, in dealing with a room that's tense and that's, that's un, you know, just being stressed and mm. the pressure of it. And we did learn to laugh with each other and that's, I mean, I can't overemphasize how important that is. Mm. So... And that's one thing I'll miss, you know, when I get off of the board, which I'll be doing at the end of the year. Yeah. We have a we have a system set up where once the year you turn sixty five, you will serve through the end of that year. Okay. And then you'll become an elder emeriti. Okay. You know, which is basically a figurehead title. Yeah. That uh, you have faithfully served the church over the years, mm. and that you know church leadership will continue to look to to those men that have served over the years for wisdom and guidance and direction but the you know the one thing i'll miss is uh you know basically being in that room Mm. you know with those men and sharing our lives and just uh um going through that tough stuff i think is something that Mm. i will miss Mm. um and i think bob has shared that too even though it's been tough yeah um and it was tough to go through at the time it's something that you'll you'll miss when you're when you're done with it Mm. 
you know, that locker room, that dugout with all those guys, that chemistry. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, I so appreciate just the, uh, the hours, the energy, uh, the consistency that you've given to the elder board over the years. Um, it's a, it's a big deal to have people in leadership that are consistent like that and that are, hmm. um, uh, willing to serve and, uh, and and I think that it's it's been great to have this conversation because it's easy to not really know anything about the elder board and just assume well, those are the guys calling the shots, they got it easy and stuff like that. They got the authority, you know, whatever. And but really, you guys are wrestling with stuff all the time and asking questions and wondering, are we making the right choices? And and I I know some of just over the years, you know, I know I know some of the the burden that you guys have have felt. And so I just thank you on, on behalf of the church and myself, you know, for, for, for putting in that time and being willing to, to give of yourself in that way. Thank you. It's been a privilege to serve over the years. Um, yeah, well, Bob, is there anything that you wanted to touch on? Otherwise I think this has been, this has been great. Yeah. I just say that, uh, the thing I've appreciated about you, Kevin, is that you, you do very well at, at managing your own ruling your own emotions hmm. and that's such an important skill in this work because it's emotional work hmm. and you feel the most intense stuff and uh i think kevin has been very very good at, at ruling over himself at the emotional level and uh, i think that's been important to have at the helm and hmm. conducting a meeting i also appreciate the way he doesn't he has never tried to set the agenda you know the 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 process by which you set an agenda for a meeting is everything mm. in a business or in a church and he is he has sat over that process and invited other elders into that and i think it's a good process to figure out okay where does the holy spirit want us to tackle and what should we be discussing that right now given where we're at we have these maintenance things we have to do but what are the things and he has just uh never forced any of that uh and that's not easy hmm. you know when you realize we only have a limited time here in this meeting what yeah. you're looking at your watch yeah and, and he's been very patient and just very good at at uh, providing leadership but not ruling so hmm. i've got the uh, kevin norton memorial fountain that I would like placed outside the uh, life. Center. No, just kidding. <laughs> Don't you have to be dead for that to? Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Kevin and Bob, both of you guys for just kind of uh, being willing to open up and share. It's been it's been great. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. That was the kind of conversation I've kind of wanted to have on the podcast for a while. Um, just digging into what it is to be an elder. Of course, it was great to hear about like his uh, Kevin's personal experience as the the chairman, and then also ensuring churches, which is such an interesting <laughs> job. So there's a lot yeah. of stuff in there. Um, what would be maybe something that uh, stood out a little more to you, Bob? Well, I think two things. Uh, first of all, the element of grace in Kevin's story. He mm. clearly identified that and. You know, apart from that understanding of grace, which he really received from his wife-to-be, um, he's a conservative American, mm. but not necessarily a Christian and not necessarily a churchman. Yeah. So so that element of grace was kind of a pivotal point for him, and I thought that was, that was pretty neat. I think I was re just re-impressed with the importance of steadiness. Mm. That's part of our transformation. I think that looks different in a creative person versus a, a person that isn't creative and or in a very uh, expressive person. But there's still a steadiness we should strive for. Yeah. And uh, how important that is to them being able to hear the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just that's just a fascinating idea to me. Yeah. Of w what what. Uh, how steady does God want to make us? Because, you know, mm -hmm. if you're so steady, at some point that becomes an enemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because you're kind of in your own rhythm, yes. your own, stuck in your own rut. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you're yeah. not open to any new leading. Yeah. This is what we do. Yeah. So that steadiness thing is just interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, it was just that whole interaction where that you were participating in as well, talking about how you guys figure out or try to figure out at least how the, the spirit is leading and how I just appreciated how that both demystified how that happens and um, maintained the sense of the mystery, you know, in that. And, and, the, and just the humility that I heard from both of you guys, you know, in, in uh, uh, talking about how you're trying to figure out, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you may not feel like this is definitely what the Holy Spirit wants, you know, but you're in some ways kind of, uh, well, uh, it seems like this is what the Holy Spirit wants. And then just trying to be obedient to that. Yeah. That's such an important principle when you look at the implications of, of that. If you don't do that and you really believed, I received an error-free message from the Lord, Yeah, everybody, and here's what you need to do. Yeah. Now, now you've uh, put yourself on a level of Scripture. Yeah. So what's to keep you from writing your own scripture at that point? Yeah. And so you really get into a mess leadership-wise and even just practice of the faith if mm -hmm. you think anything different, that you're, you may be hearing the Holy Spirit. It seems to me that just the, we have to do that in community or we wind up wiping out. Yes, that's, so. Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to add was that what, what I heard from you guys is also a good model for us in both how we're thinking about our relationship to the Holy Spirit and how we are conversing with other believers and trying to sort through things that we believe we're being led to do or that we think maybe the Spirit would have someone else do. So mm -hmm. anyway. And that's important in a marriage. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah. Well, a lot of good stuff in this episode, at least in my opinion. <laughs> but that is finally it for this episode of the Red Mountain Community Church Podcast. My mic, I think it is drifting lower. I'm going to do this a little bit. You guys can't see me hunching over, but I'm hunching over now as we finish up. Uh, yeah, what is this? It's the Red Mountain Community Church Podcast. That's right. And you can follow Red Mountain Community Church on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also leave us comments and suggestions to help make the show better. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so that you don't miss out on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Bobby Fox. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Sunday.